Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and today we are talking to Loreto Xavier, who has just taken a trip in July of 2023 to the Holy Land, where all of the happenings written in the Bible, where the life of Jesus Christ, Mary, Joseph, and the apostles, even where angels met with man, this is where it all took place, and I am excited to speak with someone who's seen it all. Loreto, thank you so much for joining me today to discuss what all you saw and what all you learned in our Lord's homeland. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Paul. Nice to meet you. Hey, very nice to meet you, and the pleasure is all ours. I feel like people can start to think of the Bible sometimes as almost like a fantasy or a fairy tale that took place in a distant, unreal place, but it took place in a real place, in real time with real people. I would imagine that your trip really just made that seem all the more real, did it not? It did. In fact, it did. And I would say um, uh, not only do we tend to think that it happened in a faraway place and like in a in a place that you can you can go to, um, it also happens that we tend to simply take the things for granted, even though we have the belief that uh, uh, these things really happened in a real place and there were real people involved, and that has something to do with our salvation. But we kind of take it for granted, and I, I think I would put myself in that category. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you and I both would put ourselves in that category. I think the vast majority of people considering most people haven't been to the Holy Land, would also put themselves in that category. Mm-hmm. For the listeners who aren't that familiar with the Holy Land, what are some of the sites that you saw in your time there? Um, so we went to the main sites that uh, would be a must when someone takes a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Uh, the site of the Incarnation, uh, which is right below the Church of the Annunciation, and we went to the Holy Sepulchre, where uh, is uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus laid his life down on a cross for us. Uh, and uh, within the same complex are other places um, like the empty tomb and uh, the slab where he was laid uh, and his body anointed um, and a host of other sites uh, within that complex. And then Earlier on, it was also the Church of the Visitation, and uh, we also went to some places which uh, are significant in the Old Testament, like uh, the cave of Prophet Elijah, and we happened to pass through some of the other Old Testament, uh, you know, places like the the tomb of David or something like that, although we might not have stopped over, but we did happen to cover all those places. And uh, the Church of the Nativity, where our Lord was born. So that was uh, like the fruition of uh, incarnation. Wow. Uh, Where do we even begin? These are all the most important places. That is absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. Now, for someone like me who's like, I I tend to be a bit of a skeptic when it comes to most most things. Um, Are we sure that these are the sites that these things happen? That's a good question because um, a lot of these are passed down by tradition. Um, Like you would always trust your dad about something that happened in the family and your grandfather and your great-grandfather. And you would also trust when your grandfather says that his grandfather said something. So you you tend to trust those things because it has been handed down. Uh, 
in reality, um, there are several layers to work with, which maybe not all pilgrims can, like researchers do, because um, you have you have the Bible tell you something, uh, and within that, the Old Testament tell you something about that same site, and then there is uh, there are the the Romans who came in there and occupied, and then the Byzantine Empire, and then you have the Crusades that went on. So they all did their uh, additions and, um, you know, demolitions, and depending on what happened down history. So it is not like a black and white thing that, uh, okay, this is the place where this happened. But most of the time, it is in the region, and uh, if it's at the exact spot, the, the guides are able to tell you uh, because that has come down uh, with tradition and it's also evidenced by maybe a rock or some relic. Uh, and like um, we had mass, we visited the shepherd's caves, which are in Bethlehem, uh, mm-hmm. where the angels appeared to the shepherds and announced the birth of the Lord. And um, that region was uh, is said to have uh, had a series of caves, so it was um, it was not unusual for shepherds to just graze their you know flock and take shelter over there. Uh, keep and they would be out in the open and they would keep their sheep in the in 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 a sheltered way. Uh, so we had mass in one of the chapels built in one such cave, and um, it didn't make any difference to know that we are only in the region. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's. That's the power of the incarnation that, uh, you know, uh, piercing through uh, so many centuries and what happened down those centuries, it's able to speak to you and uh, transport you to the moment that the angels appeared over there. Talk to me about what impact visiting some of these sites, truly being there in the very location that the birth of our Lord, the incarnation, took place where the empty tomb was being in these locations, these regions, truly being there. What kind of impact did that have on your mind and your soul? And choose any of those locations because they're all equally incredible. If you ask me, that's true. Um, and I would really like to, uh, answer that by saying, um, how almost cold I was when this idea of the pilgrimage came, came, uh, came up. Uh, it was not in our bucket list or uh, plans to ever visit the Holy Land. Uh, no one can be really smug about where they are in their faith journey. But uh, for us, it was like we have our Lord in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, which we have at, uh, at the church we go to and every church that we may, uh, you know, come across. But then uh, what is the big thing about going to the Holy Land? Everybody goes to the Holy Land and uh and in my mind, in the back of my mind, uh, one line from um, uh, the Imitation of Christ, the classic by uh, Thomas A. Kempis, uh, was was coming back. Uh, he says that not everybody who goes on a pilgrimage comes back holy. So, and I had read that way when I was young, way back when I was young, and I was thinking that it's not going to add any anything to me. Then, you know, the Lord has been benevolent to. Uh, reveal himself to me and give me my uh, the gift of faith and to my family and to be able to share that in the family. And I'm not going to get anything more than just like to say I've been to the Holy Land. But, and I was asking people as the date due, uh, drew nearer, 
to pray for me because we have invested so much time, money and everything. And such a lot of preparation was going on, but my heart wasn't ready. And uh, I said, please pray for me that I should, you know, uh, there should be evoked in me some emotion, some sentiment uh, for what I'm going to behold over there in the Holy Land. Um, and when we reached there, uh, everything was still the same. And I was only consoled by meeting a couple of other ladies who said that I don't feel a thing about being here. Uh, but then uh, within the first two days, we had gone to the place of uh, uh, our Lord's incarnation, uh, the site of the Annunciation. And, and I just instinctively took my sandals off and I, it was crowded and we had to move fast but I was just ready to fall down there on my face and worship because that fact of God becoming flesh just hit me more than ever before and I said Lord I too have taken flesh to come and meet you here and uh, that started uh, to open my heart for the rest of the pilgrimage Wow. You said that you were you wanted to take your sandals off, or maybe you did take your sandals off. I did, you, I did. You did. Yeah. Did you did you knowingly do that or was it just sort of I That's just feel like I should take my sandals off? Yeah, it was instinctive. Like it's like I I must do it. It's the Lord. And uh, the angel appeared here and announced that we can uh, we can uh, receive our savior. And uh, and there was no need or there was no sign that said take your you know, footwear off or anything. I, I didn't see anyone do it. But when I rose, I saw that a couple of other people had done it. Uh, but I did it absolutely. Uh, you know, it just totally came from within me. And uh, it was real. It's fair to say that you walked in the footsteps of great saints, the apostles, Christ himself even, the Holy Family, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, what what other emotions did that have? Did that make you feel, I guess, walking in their footsteps, being there? Was there a feeling of heaviness that you felt in those locations? Uh, did you have any type of amazing reaction, I guess, anything like that? Just tell me more about the experience. At different points, it was different kinds of emotions. But I, I want to pick on the word uh, burden that you mentioned. Um, like I was telling you, I was not yet ready when we embarked on this pilgrimage to actually go and, you know, benefit from it spiritually or otherwise. Um, uh, I had tried in the beginning to, to kind of recruit friends to join me, people I would have liked to make this pilgrimage with. And I knew that this is going to be a, a really intimate one because it's a smaller group. And uh, I have some really good spiritual sisters and brothers, and I would have loved to join have them join. And when I was talking to one of these sisters, she was really keen and she wanted to know what, uh, how this whole thing would be organized. So I was telling her there's a, there are a couple of hotels involved and um, how it would be and the cost of the pilgrimage and so on. And she almost upbraided me saying, the saints have gone to these places to atone for their sinful lives for uh, making reparation to uh, closely walk in the footsteps of our Lord to imitate Christ. Like, for instance, uh, take Ignatius of Loyola. He 
once he had uh, you know converted in Loyola while he was uh, recovering from his uh, leg wounds from the war he set out to go to the holy land because he thought he can imitate Christ more closely and uh, he probably was care of the franciscans there or just lying on a you know uh, in an um, open air place and took shelter here and there but here we are like planning holy land trips which are widely advertised and sometimes you go with celebrities and then um you stay in these really good hotels and go to these really fancy places that serve you uh, the best that the land can provide in terms of cuisine and you know you know fruit of the land especially in the holy land is really fertile with you know their fruits and vegetables and all of that so she uh was saying this is not the way to undertake a pilgrimage and i was feeling really and she was not going to join and i was i was taking that to heart and uh and that was one of the reasons i didn't want to join mm. or was reluctant and the other reason was a little that we touched upon earlier is uh well all these places would have been covered up by the sands of time and uh people would have erected new structures over these which are not even faithful to what existed there why do i have to go all the way to just witness one of those uh you know brutalist uh uh architecture played out uh, you know uh, as a church um so that was my mindset um that i should somehow um as a day uh, neared that i should get closer to uh imitating the saints in order to be able to uh get intimate with jesus while on the pilgrimage so uh and being a secular franciscan uh saint francis's journey to the holy land and his early establishment of the custody of the holy land was the province of the franciscans which was established by him over there mm. who still run or you know administer all the sites over there all that was on my mind like how how well can i walk the footsteps of saints because i cannot immediately walk the footsteps of the lord and his holy family so all that was like you know in my uh, heart you know as pondering these and agonizing even to you know how will i i wanted to get it right kind of a thing you know so where did you stay and what what did you eat what was your stay like uh stay was well provided for uh especially when you go to a a land where there's there is enough potential for violence and there has been enough war and conflict i didn't uh, think about that yeah. yeah so and yeah and i i do love mediterranean food middle eastern cuisine and we stayed in nazareth so we stayed in two uh, places uh and you know had one chapter of going around and then the next place and the, ne- and the next chapter of uh holy sites. Uh so the first place we stayed was a, a, a Ramada hotel in um Nazareth where from the window I could just see the town of Nazareth, you know, it's a cute mountain top um town, uh, town of our lord. Uh and the food there was amazing. They had a, uh, you know, uh salads would be in a couple of dozens and the main course would have such a lot of options and you could if you don't like this meat you could try that meat and uh that was a major uh, highlight of uh, staying there for for uh, a lot of us for me included although i went there with i want to be uh uh 
penitential in everything I do. Mm. Um, I did enjoy the breads over there, the, the different salads and, you know, ate a little of everything so that I know what I'm experiencing in this place. So that was, that was uh, quite a thing over there. And I quite understand why that's, that's a big thing in uh, selling uh, Holy Land packages, I suppose. <laughs> right. I hear yeah. the Mediterranean food is actually supposed to be pretty healthy for you. Yes, indeed. It? Indeed. But it, quantity is a thing and, you know, it's a whole yeah. lot of things. And then what you have to do the next day and how well you slept or how late you slept and uh-huh. those kind of things. In Nazareth, uh, I shouldn't even have to ask. That's where Jesus grew up, yes. right? Yes. Born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth. Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What well, was that? Pretty surreal to look out your window and see the town of Nazareth, and to know that if you had been standing in that spot two thousand years ago, you could have very well seen a little Jesus Christ just walking around. It's, or I al- guess- it's almost like you read my mind, you know, because um, the way you see it, all those uh, houses, um, you know, like like uh, you know the terrace, uh, like. In terrace farming, you see in steps, you can see different levels on on the plain, uh, on the slope of the mountain. Yes. You could see, and you could just see those kind of things about, uh, of Jerusalem uh, in greeting cards or uh, pictures meant for uh, religious ed or something, how the houses are lined up. It was just the same, but uh, they were modern houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a place geologically endowed, so... They were made of rocks as well. So that brought it close to what we had seen in movies or, you know, greeting cards and stuff. So it was it was evoking in me like, uh, and I would, uh, you know, when we meet people there on those streets, it was like, this could have been a Jesus. This could have been uh, Our Lady or this could have been Joseph. So I did have those thoughts crossing my mind when I was there. So I want to ask you a little bit about your thoughts on and experiences on penance, piety, and prudence during your time in the Holy Land. But first, we'll be right back to do that after a few words from our beloved sponsors. We'll be right back. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. There's a new app. So Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free. New app, same quality programs. Why should we attend Mass? Where do we find the Mass in the Bible? For the answers to these questions and more, join Catholic Spirit Radio for its next Bible study about the Second Coming, the Bible, and the Mass. This 10-lesson video study features Scott Hahn and begins Thursday, October 12th at 6.30 p.m. The material fee is $25. Register by September 30th for in-person or Zoom participation. Contact Tony at 309-750-9062. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you're inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Yeah. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and I am talking to Loreto Xavier, who has just taken a trip to the Holy Land in July of 2023, and she's telling us all about her experiences, what she saw, and the insights that she's gained. Loreto, I'd like to ask you about some of your thoughts and experiences regarding penance, regarding piety, and originally regarding prudence, but we're going to wait to touch on prudence until later in this conversation. But you know what, before I even ask that, you mentioned that you saw the town of Nazareth from your your hotel room, Mm -hmm. and walking around, seeing these, say, children walking around, this could have been Jesus Christ if I had just been here 2,000 years earlier. Do the people that live there, do they know, and are they like, do they respect the significance of where they stand that the savior of the world stood where they stood? Do they talk about that? Is that a part of their culture or do they seem uh, pretty much accustomed to it and they don't even pay it much mind? What are the citizens like? Well, uh, it was two dimensional because uh, we did not get to interact with uh, people on the street although we saw them from the bus or before boarding the bus or when we were getting off at some holy site and so on. Uh, For safety reasons, we were advised not to interact with anyone. Please explain that a little further. Okay. So uh, from the beginning, um, we were uh, cautioned uh, not to talk to strangers. And uh, since the place uh, tends to be touristy, uh, because of pilgrims coming in. Uh, so uh, local people who most of them are hit by uh, lack of employment um, and, you know, poverty and that kind of stuff uh, come out to sell their wares. And some of them could be Muslims or, you know, Jews or, you know, any random person who wishes to sell religious goods uh, to people visiting. And most of them uh, would be uh, Christians, although Jews also make uh, pilgrimages over there. So, um, well, we did, did not question. Um, I, I even got admonished one time when I interacted with a, a little boy who was selling um, postcards of the Holy Land. And incidentally, he was the only only person I found holy cards of the Holy Land. I mean, sorry, postcards of the Holy Land. Uh, and I wanted to get a couple, but uh, I was admonished for it. But I managed to get it. That's a different thing. (laughs) Yes, I wanted to bring back for uh, those cards for uh, the missionaries of charity so they could use it in religious ed. So that was my reason for uh, my little disobedience. So the point is we were kept really safe because, uh, you know, the situation there is tense. Uh, One could not fathom what kind of consequences any, you know, uh, unusual act by a pilgrim could lead to. Uh, It could be violence. It could be, uh, you know, getting mugged or, you know, just being misled when you're in a strange place Um, or simply delaying the rest of the group. So uh, we kept uh, our obedience and uh, listened to them. Um, But... um, the sights and the sounds of the place spoke spoke a lot. And uh, our guides were also good enough to be able to explain certain things to us. Um, so that was uh, a thing. And I would think that people who live there, um, so this is my guess, may not understand how they are blessed. 
because their uh, here and now is pretty challenging most of the time. Uh, uh, the backwardness of certain areas speak for that. Uh, the un- unemployment and the squalor of some nooks speak for that. So I would say it's a question for them uh, if I'm on a mendicant kind of a pilgrimage another time, God willing, mm-hmm. I will make sure I'll find out. <laughs> right. And do you know, just off the top of your head, maybe you don't, the religious makeup of the people in that region, especially Nazareth, is it majority Jewish or majority Muslim? I, would, I, I really wouldn't be able to say that, uh, you know, and be correct, be sure that I'm correct. But I think uh, they would be uh, Jewish. I see. Yes. That's interesting. I always think that's interesting. The most holy land where Jesus Christ walked and the holy family is of no real significance to the majority of people in, yeah. say, the town of mm-hmm. Nazareth mm-hmm. Uh, or in that region as they're they're Jewish. Yes. They don't really yes. believe that he was the Messiah. Yeah. They believe he was real. I've talked to rabbis. I've talked to uh-huh. uh, practicing Muslims, and they just say, yeah, he was a nice Jewish boy <laughs> who uh, was not the king of kings, but nonetheless, we acknowledge that he was there. Right. Uh, so that's that's interesting. But anyway, moving on, I wanted to ask you about your thoughts and experiences regarding penance and piety. Now, why were these things significant to you, and what did you what did you take away during your time here about those things? So, for the reasons that I mentioned earlier, that uh, I should make the best of this, because my, at the outset I was not really ready to take the plunge. Uh, I. To me, making the best of it would be um, follow the footsteps of the saints as far as you can uh, so you can feel that intimacy and come to that intimacy with Christ, not just while there, but for the rest of your life. And the next next thing would be to uh, take petitions for the people that are in great need, people who need Jesus, who know Jesus and who don't know Jesus from back home. Uh, so I took a lot of petitions. I asked for petitions from friends uh, for their pressing needs. And uh, I got uh, nearly 70 of them uh, through text and uh, messenger and email and some by mail. And uh, my husband and I, you know, put them all in a Word document and decreased the font and made it to seven pages. And then there were more coming and then we hand wrote them. We made three copies of them so we could leave them in different places when where there are boxes for petitions. Oh, wow. So that was one of the uh, key goals that I found would, you know, will help me make it uh, a worthwhile uh, pilgrimage. Uh, and the other thing would be, you know, uh, to undergo the pain of the pilgrimage, like in walking and in carrying your baggage and helping others in your group. Uh and uh, keeping close to the um, keeping close to the prayers of the church for every church, every site that we are visiting. So that uh, I had told myself, like I would try not, because sometimes when you are like physically strained, you tend to have your mind wander off. Like you just enter a church and you just, you know, just slump into the first pew you come across and like, okay, let everything play on until we have to leave this place because you're just physically exhausted. Mm. So I was like, don't get into that again because I've been on quite a few pilgrimages and I have felt that and I have come back and regretted it. So I like to do this. So so petitions and offering penance for people and uh, 
uh, involving completely in the pious uh, uh, devotions that we would keep uh, apart from mass. That was like you know, I was like Loreto, note to yourself, you know. That was that was my aim. Now, yes. did you attend mass daily, just on Sunday? Did you go to mass at these holy, at the, in the Holy Land? Indeed. Uh, in fact, uh, the promise of having a mass every day of the pilgrimage was one of the main reasons we went, or we justified all our, you know, um, the challenges that stood in front of us to go on this huge pilgrimage as a family of three. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned this, this was uh, a small group of people who are uh, who go to the Latin Mass, the Mass in the ancient rite of the church. Um, and it was only them. That's why it was, it was so tiny. Um, and we couldn't get enough. And we got a couple from California, a couple from Arizona, and a couple from Texas. Um, and that's how we made up this 18 or 17 people, um, apart from some people that go to the same place that I go to Latin Mass. So having Latin Mass, which is a rarity, um, every day for 10 or 11 days was the jackpot that we were going for. Mm. So we had mass every day and uh, wherever opportunity provided, we had it inside the, you know, most preferred uh, spot inside a holy site, the church or something, or a chapel close to it. And sometimes even in the, in the outdoors. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, on the Mount of the Beatitudes, we had a Sunday mass and it was going to be inside a chapel, but then we were shown an outdoor place, which is, uh, you know, it has a shelter, um, but the altar is exposed and, you know, you would have to just dust off the leaves and the bird poop or whatever and set your altar up. Mm. Uh, and we had a beautiful mass over there. Uh, and the parrots were singing along with us, <laughs> chanting along with a cantor. It, it, just, it just was a beautiful experience in its own way. And that doesn't mean that we should introduce parrots into our churches, but then uh, it was a beautiful thing. So even though we didn't have a chapel, we were outdoors. It was beautiful. And then another time, we were uh, we would we would be outside the holy site, and before mass, we would just learn about the site and the history of it. Um, and we had a missile, special missile made out uh, by our tour manager who happens to be a scholar director at a Latin Mass church uh, in Canada. And he had made us this beautiful missile and every place we went to had its own mass. So if you went to a church where, uh, which is built on the site where Christ wept over Jerusalem, you would have mass with propers for that event. So we would learn a little about that site and chant uh, uh, you know, go through some of the texts and chant and meditate on that before we went in. So that made for it a beautiful, uh, you know, experience that it was not just mass as a checkbox thing, but then you entered into that uh, mystery. You entered into that uh, event in history, biblical history and your salvation history. And that was so uh, edifying. And it, it was like, I could understand why the closest uh, apostles of Jesus would say, Lord, it's good to be here. Let's make a 
booth for you and Elijah and Moses you know like mm. we were ready to pitch tent there in every right. site it brought out the beauty of uh, that place the mystery of that place and we had this missile to accompany us so that you, was gratifying you mentioned the scene from the transfiguration mm-hmm. it says it's good that we're here let's build yes. a tent for Elijah uh-huh. and um, Moses Elijah and uh, Mo- Elijah Moses and uh, of course Jesus yes, yes. um Did you visit that site? Of oh the yes, how okay. could I miss it in my right. uh list in the beginning? Uh so we did go to the uh Mount of the uh Transfiguration, Mount Tabor. In fact, uh, even before we went there, it was as if Mount Tabor was there to welcome us because wherever we went the to the, any site, uh we would be pointed to there's Mount Tabor and we would look out the bus and there it would it be. And there are different mounts in that region, so uh i thought oh how would i know it's mount tabor uh but apart from being pointed out to it time and again it had a particular shape like a camel's back that you could identify even without help mm-hmm. so we got um endeared to it as we went through our bus journeys even before we actually got to visit um so while there we had a beautiful uh time uh, learning about the place and being in in the place where Jesus was uh, transfigured. Uh so that was uh, a beautiful very beautiful experience ecstatic to say the least and I have a beautiful chant from there that I just go over again and again and yeah yeah that was a beautiful experience and, Ex- yeah Explain to me the significance of chants because chants are uh, I mean of course there's Gregorian chants but in the typical form of the mass now the most popular form the novus ordo english you don't really hear chants all too often and although i love the sound of gregorian chants that's about all i know but you said that chants became a regular part of this trip for you and your group what when would you do chants would you participate in them would you just listen to them and why are they so special and meaningful so i'm not a musical expert to say something like expertly but uh chants are very different from what we hear from the novus ordo uh singing which are beautiful in themselves but there's a, a mysticism about chants that they are ancient that is one and the other thing is they are without accompaniment and uh repetitive and uh they make for meditation and for uh the repetition uh uh or what you call melisma when you when you uh, take a syllable and you know extend it for a while it provides for contemplation so you are not running over the texts uh of course the chants are in latin but then uh the missal gives you the english like on the left you have latin and on the right you have english so it gives you a chance to contemplate the thing and it keeps ringing in your heart uh, even after it's over and it has that uh, thing of uh, inviting you and keeping you in the spirit of worship mm-hmm. so that's uh, experiential and uh, not an expertly uh, definition i would say and mm-hmm. were the chants in latin then when you would 
partake in them and listen? Would you listen to them and sing them or were you listening to some recording? So we had, as I told you, our tour manager was a scholar director uh, with an amazing gift of music. Um, he he uh, has a Benedictine spirituality and, you know, those people have played a huge role in keeping these things alive uh, in the life of the church. And so he would do the chanting and where we know what is being sung, we would just join. Like there's some things that we could, like the Pater Noster, like we, when we went to the church built upon the site where our Lord taught uh, uh, Pater Noster to his disciples, uh, we did have a chance to chant the past no, uh, Pater Noster over there. It was most moving. And uh, uh, so that is something commonly, you know, sung even in chant form by the faithful. But there would be other things like the propers that the cantor would, uh, you know, uh, uh, would lead. And we would just follow along in the, follow along in the, uh, on the English side of the thing. So we would know what is being meditated upon at that moment. I see, yeah. I see. And yeah. the, Pater Nasser, is that the Our Father, Our That's Father right. yes, in, uh, yes. in Latin? Yes. Uh -huh. Very interesting. And if I understand correctly, you have a recording of one of the chants that you'd be able to play. And I look forward to hearing that, but we'll hear that right when we come back after this quick break because we've got to pay the bills here. But we'll be right back, everyone. Please stay around for this incredible conversation. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and CatholicSpiritRadio.com. Why should we attend Mass? Where do we find the Mass in the Bible? For the answers to these questions and more, Join Catholic Spirit Radio for its next Bible study about the Second Coming, the Bible, and the Mass. This 10-lesson video study features Scott Hahn and begins Thursday, October 12th at 6.30 p.m. The material fee is $25. Register by September 30th for in-person or Zoom participation. Contact Tony at 309-750-9062. There's a new app, so Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free. New app, same quality programs. Catholic Spirit Radio is hosting their next outdoor rosary event, and you're invited. On Saturday, October 7th at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in conjunction with Rosary Coast to Coast and along with a multitude of other people across the United States, we will pray the glorious mysteries. Bring your lawn chair, sweater, and rosary. Light refreshments and fellowship begin at 2 Meet in our north parking lot, Boykins Place in Normal. October 7th, Outdoor Rosary at Catholic Spirit Radio.
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and I am with Loreto Xavier, who has just taken a trip to the Holy Land in July of 2023. We're in the last segment of this conversation, Loreto, and I want to ask you a little bit about mementos, gifts, religious and holy items that uh, a lot of pilgrims will be, uh, they'll have the option of buying. Sometimes, though, they can be pressured into buying these things. And you said during the break that you wanted to discuss this. So, please, what do you have to say about the religious holy items and gifts that you have the option of buying at the end of the trip? Okay, so um, for um, in the interest of those who might make a trip to the Holy Land, I would like to uh, say something about this in two aspects. Um, one is uh, the purchase of uh, holy items— by Catholics on these kind of pilgrimages are mainly for use as sacramentals. And uh, the church gives us sacramentals like somewhat like an inferior, uh, you know, channel to the sacraments um, as channels of grace. So to have them in our possession um, and maybe use sacramentals include objects as well as actions and prayers. So it could uh, keep us close to the, uh, life of uh, the church and keep us close to Christ when we use them over ourselves or objects to bless or bless our children um, or some initiative and so on. So sacramentals, although they are losing their um, you know reputation as channels of grace and become just keepsakes from pilgrimages, uh, we must revive that thing of uh, uh, veneration of relics and use of sacramentals because they make us live uh, the Catholic life more richly. Um, so uh, we were given very uh, detailed instructions about uh, how to go about this. Um, like, for instance, uh, you go to all the holy places and you touch your rosaries or whatever you have in your hand to give to your family and friends. Uh, you tend to touch them to all the holy sites, which I was happy to do. Uh, and people wanted to actually make it touch instead of just putting a bag or something over there. So we were told to put it in a mesh bag, the kind you throw into the washer with your socks in or something. Uh, and that was a good idea because you have the uh, expectation of that, touching the actually holy spot. And then um, uh, we were able to collect uh, water from the River Jordan where John the Baptist uh, baptize Christ and bring it back home and the priest was able to bless the congregation with it and so on and so forth. So, and it seems some people tie a string to their shoes as they walk the Via Dolorosa. So, the string goes everywhere they go and then they come back home and cut it into pieces and distribute it. So, all this is good uh, provided that the recipient gives it that amount of importance as the person who brings it. Um, so, that's one part of it and the other part is of purchase of new uh, religious objects while they're in the Holy Land. So throughout our trip, in my experience, we were told not to buy it from anybody except on a particular day when they would take us to this Christian-run store uh, selling Christian-made, not China-made, but Christian-made uh, items. So we looked forward to it and uh, we, some of us, it was a penance not looking at, you know, one of the religious uh, goods store that you pass by and just wait for that one day, one store in Bethlehem. But it was all worth it. And it was a huge store with, uh, in different price points. And they were also jewelers. 
uh, who, you know, uh, did it, let's say, a Jerusalem cross in silver or something like that. So we were taken there and then um, we could shop what we wanted. We had enough time because that whole day was meant for that. And in a particular a room, a separate room, there were relics uh, uh, or icons of uh, ancient icons, like 100, 200, 300 years old of various sizes and provenances. Uh, and uh, we had been told that there are about 70 families, Christian families, that uh, are involved in the business of making and selling um, religious goods, uh, Christian uh, religious articles. And buying from them would help sustain those families who are uh in poverty. And we heard that 70% of percent of the population in Bethlehem is poor. They're unemployed. And uh, only, uh, and there are the, um, and the Christians are dwindling over there. So we needed to help. So as a result, uh, we did ponder, you know, we did mull over buying some of those ancient uh, articles, uh, which are in different kinds of repair, I mean, like uh, states of repair. Um, and some of them are really beautiful. And we chose some and we thought we could buy them. Uh, but they were priced really high and like in, in five digit, uh, you know, prices up, up to even, uh, you know, $91,000. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, and we are not experts to uh, judge whether or not it's worth that much because we cannot really put a value to uh relics or uh, ancient items of uh, veneration, sacramentals. Uh, so it was quite a tough spot that we were in. Uh, but somehow my family was saved because we had taken a trip to uh, Agra in India last year, uh, where the Taj, the Taj Mahal mm -hmm. uh, is, is uh, present. And uh, we had a situation where we were led to this place where a mini Taj was being sold. And it was really way out of our budget. And we went in for it. So from that lesson, we were like, uh, okay, be careful. Use your God-given prudence about how you invest. In. And the sad part for me was being told that this is a good investment. If you don't consider it as a religious article of veneration, you treat it as an investment. So that kind of rang a bell in me, uh, which made me wonder, like, is it a right thing for a Catholic to deal with, like, buy or sell religious articles that, you know, are blessed, mm. um, uh, would that be all right? And we checked ourselves, but not everybody had a chance to check themselves. So a lot of them came back with uh, regrets. So for people who are planning to go uh, on a pilgrimage like that to any place in the world, not just the Holy Land, um, I would say that uh, no matter what uh, you are told or what uh, the situation dictate, don't uh, leave aside your God-given prudence and wisdom and ask at that moment for uh, the Holy Spirit to guide you about, you know, uh, rescuing a church article of a good provenance um, and also uh, being a good steward of what God has blessed you with in terms of finances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Think twice before you make a huge purchase, despite the fact that you think it's going towards a good cause. Yes. Did it? Did you feel that this seemed a little uh, sketchy, for lack of a better term, the pressure? Yeah. So in any any situation, there's a aspect which you can lay your hands upon. Your, uh, you know, you can kind of figure out what's going on, and there are many things which 
uh, you know, which present a situation where you cannot go behind a particular, you know, uh, degree. So this was one of those. And uh, because the church, uh, in her motherly wisdom, has taught me, I, I am blessed that, you know, I... I kind of uh, felt this wouldn't be the right thing for me to do. Although I would have loved to have some of those items in my chapel, home chapel. Uh, we checked ourselves and, uh, um, yeah, and others, uh, I mean, others in different varying degrees, they, you know, uh, <laughs> had to plan their purchases. Uh, but everything was done in a black and white manner. We had invoices for everything and they shipped it to us before we returned. We had it waiting for us and everything was professionally beautifully and uh, very nicely done so yes. I'm curious as I'm sure a lot of the listeners are whoever bought the near one hundred thousand dollar thing what was that thing uh, it uh, uh, they were ancient icons and uh, some were carvings mm. yes uh, most of them were icons that are painted and uh, are prayed as they say. Icons are prayed, you know, you just pray an icon. Like when you draw it, you pray it. So, yeah, it was beautiful. We chose uh, something with the apostles and another one with Peter and Paul because my son is so interested in uh, in those saints and the apostles. But then we changed our minds. But we did buy uh, mosaics, uh, which are hand, you know, hand put together. But they are original works. They are not... Uh, you know, like ancient or antique or anything. Well, Laredo, as we wind down this conversation, what other advice or tips can you give to listeners who are potentially considering going to the Holy Land themselves and taking a pilgrimage much like the one you took? Well, uh, I don't want to say, be like me, Loreto, but then uh, <laughs> the the whole thing is any any group that takes you to the Holy Land, uh, whether it's led by a celebrity or not, will give you all the necessary tips and tricks and uh, tools to prepare for it, uh, right from your documentation to insurance to uh, weather to what uh, clothes to carry and so on. So one doesn't have to be worried about that. Um and uh, I would recommend from my experience that uh, older people go with smaller groups um, because it does help to, um, uh, you know, be understood for the, the state you're in or your limitations um, and also those with children. Um, but apart from that, I would say uh, uh, the part that will remain with you for good will it will be the experience of uh, our Lord uh his holy family and the church that he uh, founded, that's going to remain with us forever. So the more we uh, try to uh, keep close to that, um, that would be the best for us and for our generations because uh, that is most eternal. Uh, and uh, everything else will take care of itself. So that that would be my... A uh, summary of, uh, you know, uh, any advice for those who are going. And uh, another in, insight would be the smaller the group, the per head cost is high. So that is an aspect one should bear in mind. And uh, uh, if, if you have to somehow go to the Holy Land and um, you are okay to go with any of the groups, then all, all groups, uh, I mean, you would take your... Uh, uh, do your due diligence would be good. 
but you have to uh, make sure that uh, if you want to have that real feeling of uh, walking in the footsteps, you have to choose your group carefully. And it necessarily need not come from a celebrity leader. So, and we had uh, an opportunity of meeting the Latin patriarch, pa- patriarch over the while there. So that was a unique thing wow. uh, with this group. And I would say the next best thing was uh, the the liturgy that was prepared for the pilgrimage. Uh, so that that's my yeah take takeaway for you. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, Loreto. Thank you so much for joining us today and for giving us all your valuable wisdom and insights and sharing your experiences from the Holy Land with us today. The places you visited are incredible. Your insights, your stories, what you learned. The group, I think it's amazing that the group was, uh, there were Latin mass goers, the tips and tricks, everything. It's all very much appreciated and I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation today. And is there anything else you'd like to say before we go ahead and wrap things up? Well, stay close to Christ through whatever you do, and uh, the Holy Land experience will uh, help you to do just that if you keep your eyes on the Lord. Um, And I'm blessed as a family to have gone on this, and I think uh, I have gone on behalf of many. And um, I'm still packing, rebottling holy oils and water and rosaries for people to give away, so... If you are near me, you can always get in touch with a radio station and uh, I'll be happy to leave some here for you as long as uh, stocks last. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Loreto. And to everyone listening to this episode of Catholic Conversations, thank you so much for doing so. And always remember to support your local Catholic Spirit Radio. Until next weekend, God bless and have a great week.
Listening to Catholic Conversations. Download our podcasts at CatholicSpiritRadio.com.